Uh, Vern Harnish is the founder of EO. He also wrote one of my favorite books called Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, one of the ideas from that book you know, we're going to cover in just a minute. Um, but essentially, he talks about how Apple had at only 7% market share over 51% of all the profits in the mobile phone business. You know, how is that possible? Because they charge a premium for that pre premium look, design, and feel. Part of it is ease of use. Part of it is reputation and branding. Part of it is the pain of unplugging, and now all your iMessages don't work with people, and you go back to Apple after you try to leave. Um, you know, there's all those different reasons. And um, part of this is that packaging of what you have, uh, this is one of a Steve Jobs' concept, uh, imputes value on the things inside. Having it look and feel institutional quality makes the thing feel more high quality, and people are willing to pay more for that. You could charge higher fees or have a better structure for yourself if everything looks and feels high quality like it should from the beginning, not to mention they might not engage with you in the first place if it doesn't. And what Vern Harnish is saying here is that don't try to capture all the market. Identify some little niche that if you could capture part of that niche, it's super valuable. Like don't try to work with every type of investor. Just work with that, that niche type. And that's, that's what we're trying to do with some of the, the platforms that we operate, like, um, like with billionaires.com. Uh, we're not trying to work with all types of family offices. We're really focused on people that want to start a family office and uh, doctors and dentists and then the billionaire segment. And like, those are really the three focuses. If other people come to us and want help, then we help them. And we're not going like, to turn them away and say, go away. And we're going to invite them to our event and see if they can be helpful. But um, that's where we put our proactive focus. So what is the niche within a niche? If you talk about your investor avatar, um, like for example, uh, what was your name that you had the, the business buying? Farouk. Farouk. Farouk, great. Um, so basically, you know, in your investor avatar, if you're approaching somebody who has maybe built and sold a business before, or maybe they're grinding it out as a uh, doctor who's high earning, but they just dream of that passive income or something like that, um, then you can maybe figure out, oh, well, of all the doctors on planet Earth, uh, the ones who get the most burned out are primary physicians or the ones who earn the most but really want to get out of that being on call all the time and getting up at 2 a.m. to do a surgery are the surgeons or the oncologists maybe make a lot of money, but maybe they don't get burned out as much as the surgeons. So figuring out the niche within the niche of who is going to be the type of doctor, the type of investor that you're going to try to bring in and for a deal flow like the motel department guys, they're not just buying multifamily, they're buying ugly motels and turning it into multifamily. Um, you know, with one group I know in California, they don't just buy multifamily, they only buy multifamily where they can convert garages into studio apartments because they know the ADU code like the back of their hand, so they're able to boost that NOI and force appreciation. That, those are unique strategies. That's the type of thing where someone like myself that sees thousands of deals, you lean forward and uh, I've got a question up here, Daphne. I have to make sure they turned on your mic. I'm not sure if they have or not. But, um, but uh, those, it's like a niche within the niche that's most important. Uh, the worst is just saying, oh, high net worth investors. Oh, we, we're lower middle market private equity. That's like the you're hurting yourself. It's not just neutral. I would put things that uh, resonate with the avatar in the pitch deck, meaning if you have three case studies of investors, maybe the middle one is oncologists or a business owner type that you deal with. Maybe it's a lawyer or an attorney or something like that, but that's one of the case studies of investors you've served, if it's true, obviously. Uh, or it could be where you go and where you spend time. Associations and networks that cost ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 or more to join. Um, typically, business owners, only the business owners or a successful business will pay more than seven to 10,000 or five, seven, 10,000 to join an organization. And once you get to 25K, 50K to join, you're getting people who are probably qualified to 
potentially invest. It's kind of like a really rough rule of thumb. Um, but yeah, there's different ways to make that. Um, you could even have, if you're really only working with uh, attorneys um, for some reason and taking them into buying manufacturing companies or businesses, you could even have something related to attorneys in the logo of your business or even the name of your business. Um, so that when you approach them, they're like, oh, what's this? You only work with attorneys and you help them you know, buy businesses? You know, how does that work? And you say, yeah, we know exactly how you guys think. We've got superior structures. We, you're working with other peers of yours. So there's many different ways you can integrate it in there from logo, branding, one-liner, where you spend your time, et cetera. Okay. Yeah, you have a question? Yeah, just out of curiosity, full transparency, I'm very new to this entire process. Sure. For that reason, how does the strategy work? Or how do you implement it? if you're trying to avoid being overly creative, but you understand that a lot of the value to be imparted is actually in the structure. The deal, the way it's put together, things of that sort. Right. Not necessarily what you can do with yeah. your zero years of a zillion transactions, right. but really the transparency and the honesty of what is being put together and the benefit for the bigger participants in it. The whales right. that can actually drive it forward. Right. How, right. Is that, how is that put into practice? Right. I understand it in principle, but how is it implemented? Sure, sure. I don't know if, um, was the mic picking that one up or not? I couldn't tell if yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was a little bit far away from the okay. mic. Okay, so basically, uh, I think to summarize the question is kind of like, uh, how do you make sure when you're very early stage, you're not too creative in the wrong way, and how do you get some of that analysis part done and position yourself in a practical way? I mean, one, one smart way is just to look at what most people are doing and just make it a little bit more performance-based. It's like a good way to start. Because then you're not going off the reservation and doing some random thing that's just a shot in the dark. You're saying, okay, a lot of people do this, so instead of two and 20, why don't we do one and 30? Or why don't we do one and 25? Or why don't we do our exact costs and, and still do 20 and just make it low fee, very good for the investor, et cetera. Um, but you shouldn't do a business that is gonna make so little money it's not motivating and now you know, it, it's, it won't even pay for the staff you need. So you have to balance all those things out.